as Unitarian Universalists, we find wisdom and inspiration in many places, Jewish and Christian scripture and other sacred texts, the arts, science, nature, and our own experiences. Our tradition keeps us open to revelation from many sources. Today's wisdom comes from the arts. Ruth Feldman wrote and translated poetry during the 20th century. She writes, I took a long time getting here. Much of it was wasted on wrong turns. Back roads riddled with ruts. I had adventures. I never would have known if I proceeded as the crow flies. Superhighways are so sure of where they are going, they arrive too soon. A straight line isn't always the shortest distance between two people. Sometimes I act as though I'm heading somewhere else, while imperceptibly I narrow the gap between you and me. I'm not sure I'll ever know the right way, but I don't mind getting lost now and then. Maps don't know everything. Thank you, Jenny. When I went to college in Syracuse, New York, I had a friend named Brian. Brian was a fellow grad student in the plant sciences program, and he had lived in Syracuse all his life. And so when we first got to know each other, I figured he knew his way around town, the places to go and how to get there. I soon learned, though, that Brian had been an ambulance driver before going back to school. So not only did he know his way around, he prided himself on knowing the fastest route to any location in the city. Time and time again, Brian showed me how to get from point A to point B the quickest possible way. He knew every shortcut, the timing of every traffic light, the location of every stop sign, and the traffic patterns for every time of the day. It was impressive. And for a while, I bought the idea that this was the way to go. After all, why waste time in the car when you could be where you are going? I wish it were that easy, that the fastest way was always the best way, that we could know without a doubt that there was a right way to travel and that, yes, we could know what it is. At the same time, I wish it were possible to live the journey of great adventure, to wander about with no goal other than to experience whatever there is to experience. The truth is, for me at least, that sometimes it serves me to get from point A to point B as quickly and predictably as possible. And sometimes it serves me to take the time to explore. Neither way is the right way all the time, and I'm sure there are other ways I'm not considering. When I drive to Indiana to visit with my chosen family, I zip straight through because of the warmth and the joy waiting for me at the end of the trip. I cannot wait to get there. 
When I take my kid on vacation, it feels more important to enjoy the time traveling as part of the experience we share. To stop at the interesting places to take pictures or talk about what we notice or pick up dinosaurs and bouncy balls and snakes. To mark the places where the landscape changes as we go. We drove to Santa Fe for spring break last week, and it was so amazing to see the wide open grasslands of the Great Plains, to feel the hugeness of the sky and what it's like to be able to see forever in every direction. Kansas, boy, is flat. <sighs> and to see the shift from that flatness to the mesas and the foothills and finally the mountains to feel the change in the sky when you no longer can see as far and in our surroundings. I've flown over these areas and been fascinated by the irrigation circles that you can see from the air and the changes in the wider landscape as you fly over it, the shift from green to brown back to green to white this time of year. But to actually be moving on the ground at a pace where I could experience the sheer scale of it all was awe-inspiring. But to tell you the truth, my inclination is to move quickly, head down toward the thing I think I need to be moving toward. This is how I used to travel all the time in my younger days, just hop in the car and drive as fast as I can for as long as I can until I get there. It is a practice to remember to slow down, to remember to notice what is around me. And I mean that literally and as a metaphor. What is that about? I sometimes wonder, why do I have to work at slowing down, at moving mindfully? I tend to blame society. <laughs> I have been trained to move this way. I have been taught that speed is important, that growth is important. My forestry professor used to say, bigger, better, faster, cheaper. Bigger, better, faster, cheaper. And we tend to associate that speed with productivity, right? The faster we move, the more we can do. And that is what we're told is the most important thing. We reward that productivity. We value it above many other things, often including our own health and our own wellness, and our own attention. How many of us need to be reminded by our bodies, by our mental states, by our family, by our friends, to remember to take care of ourselves, to slow down enough? Detours. Is taking care of ourselves a detour? Even the word detour feels negative to me. My first reaction to seeing a detour sign in my path is usually frustration that I'm going to be routed out of my way. Merriam-Webster defines detour as a deviation from a direct course or the usual procedure. And it defines the verb as to send by a circuitous route 
or to avoid by going around. There is nothing in that definition that implies a detour might be a preferable way to go. We need poetry to consider that possibility. During our travels last week, we stopped at about the halfway mark to spend the night in Kearney, Nebraska. Kearney is known as a possible, as a, sorry, as a popular stop for migrating sandhill cranes, and there's a nature center nearby dedicated to providing a place for humans to witness these huge flocks of the birds during this time of year. We decided to take the detour, to drive to the nature center as we left town in the morning. What we didn't know is that the nature center is on a dirt road, and it had been raining for a while. So we left the pavement and started driving in the relatively solid mud. I drive a Subaru. When we got to the intersection leading to the nature center, the road beyond it looked a little less solid, and there was a road-closed sign that you could get by if you wanted to. But I was not going to push my luck. So we turned and went another way, because another way was possible to try going around from a different direction, only to be met by another road-closed sign. So we couldn't get to the nature center. We had to be satisfied with seeing cranes feeding in the cornfields along the roads as we were bouncing along. I surprised myself in the moment, and maybe I was really just trying to cheer my kid up. But I surprised myself by enthusiastically saying, well, that was an adventure, as we bounced and navigated the ruts and the softer stops. And I actually enjoyed the detour, despite never making it <laughs> to that destination. Yeah, I think most of it was teasing my kid. Ginny is going to invite you into a responsive reading, and after that, I'm going to spend a few minutes journeying into speaking from just notes, as the topic of detours seems to beg for. It says here, turn on the mic. If you would, in, in the back of your gray hymnal, there's a responsive reading number 670 called The Way by Edwin Muir. Friends, I have lost the way. The way, the way is on. Is there another way? The way, the way is on. I must retrace the track. It's lost Back, I must travel back. None goes there, none. Then I'll make my place here. The road runs on. Stand still and set my face. The road leaps on. Stay here forever, stay. None stays here, none. I cannot find the way. Oh, the places I've passed. That journey's done. And what will come at last? The way it on. 
the way leads on. We keep going, right? Whether we want to or not. Because the nature of life and of time is that there is always movement, even when young people are resistant to movement and you have to prod them. Even in stillness, even in meditation, even in noticing what is around us, we move. Our hearts beat, our lungs fill and empty, the earth spins, time keeps going forward. What we get to do is choose how to be during that moment. Do we stay fixed on a thing, on a way of being, on a path, despite the nature of movement? Do we find a way to move with it, or against it, or across it? How do we know when to move quickly toward a chosen end and when to meander in the moments? The path is not always clear. In fact, I'll say that for me, it's rarely clear. The ability to enjoy the adventure of bouncing on a dirt road (laughs) doesn't come to me terribly often. (laughs) But the way leads on. There's a lot of ways to interpret that way. Taoism talks about the way, the way of the Tao. And it seems to assume that the way is something we can intuit, that we can quiet ourselves enough to feel the way. I've never been able to do that. (laughs) Parker Palmer the Quaker author and educator talks a lot about way, about finding way, about way opening before us. He tells a story in one of his books about a conversation he had with one of the elders in his Quaker community. He's frustrated because he can't find the way. He is stuck in a rut of some kind. He can't move forward. He can't figure out where to go next, what to do next with himself, with his life, and he's just stuck. And he goes to this elder, and he complains to her, and she listens to him. And he finally voices the direct frustration and says, but way isn't opening before me like I thought it would, like we teach it does. And she says, Parker, sometimes it isn't about the way that opens before you, but the way that closes behind you. I've had an awful lot of way close behind me (laughs) as I try to figure out what is next. Sometimes we have to see the door close behind us before we can see whatever paths lie before us. A straight line isn't always the shortest distance between two people. Sometimes I act as though I'm heading somewhere else while imperceptibly I narrow the gap between you and me. 
That's a piece I'm going to reflect on for a long time. I act as though I'm heading somewhere else while I imperceptibly narrow the gap between you and me. It feels to me like the author whose name I have forgotten and who isn't right here, Ruth Feldman. Seems like Ruth Feldman was talking a little bit about this space in which we can live our lives as we move, as we work, as we sing and dance and move from A to B in whatever direction we're moving. We're also shifting how we are with each other, how we relate with each other, how we perhaps sometimes can get closer with each other. It feels like an important thing. I think that anything that narrows those gaps between us, whether it's the path we intended or not, whether it's the straight line or the meander or anything in between, anything that narrows those gaps is a good and a true path. I think sometimes we just have to notice that we're walking on it. The value of the detour. May it be so. And may we be so.